Fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Yeah, Hoosier. buddy, it is. Hey, welcome into the show. Thanks for hanging out today. Welcome aboard. It is a Thursday, the pre-Friday celebration, one of the greatest days of the entire week. We are one week away from Christmas time. Can you believe it? Now, by next week, I get it. You're going to be completely zoned out. You're not going to give a rip about you anything because you are prepared for the holidays, prepared for the family and friends, prepared for the crazy shenanigans that you partake in during the holidays. Then the next week, in between Christmas and holidays, uh, Christmas and New Year's, you are dead, man. You just don't care about anything which means I won't get you back until the beginning of the new year. That's okay. We're going to keep you entertained, keep you informed of what's going on, whether you want to pay attention or not. Welcome into the show. What a show we have lined up for you today, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, we appreciate you very, very much. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do Every single day. Coming up on the show today, Annalisa Peshik. She is the writer and contributor to The New American. We'll talk about a few different things. We have the ongoing litigation now after the midterm elections in a few states, including Arizona and especially Maricopa County, as she's been following what the latest litigation is from the Carrie Lake campaign, who ran for governor down there, and what the lawsuits look like. So we'll get an update from there. Also, what's going on in Washington, D.C., the makeup of Congress now, the Republicans that are about ready to take over in January. Are we prepared? And who the Speaker of the House may actually be? Will it be Kevin McCarthy? We are how many weeks after election time now, and we still do not have a chosen Republican leader. McCarthy getting a little testy with the media and other individuals when they ask him about it because he's still trying to negotiate with the conservative sect of the Republican Party to actually make his voice heard, which... Got to admit, pretty pathetic to the fact that Republicans have to negotiate with conservatives to have more of an influence within the Republican Party in order for Republicans to be able to lead appropriately in Washington, D.C. They should be making up the vast majority of the Republican Party, being the conservatives, the Tea Partiers, the MAGA individuals, whatever you want to call them. They should be the ones that are 95% of the Republican Party. And then they look over at the establishment rhino hack Republicans and they say, you're still here. What are you doing in this party? But unfortunately, it's the other way around. And Republicans are scraping tooth and nail for conservatives to actually have a voice within the party. And they're doing that with Kevin McCarthy right now. We'll get an update on that. Also, I don't know if you're aware or not, tomorrow the government could shut down. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Which, I got to admit, Merry Christmas to me if the government shut down. Merry Christmas, everybody. (laughs) If we shut down the government for a week going into Christmas holiday, I'd be so happy. That would be the most awesome thing that we could ever possibly do, right? That is the most metal thing I ever heard in my whole life. I mean, I'm telling you, if we shut down the government, we don't have to worry about the government passing anything or infringing upon our rights or passing any regulations or passing ridiculous budgets. We could just like live freely and happily without the government intrusion into our daily life. That would be the greatest Christmas gift of all time. That would make me believe in Santa Claus again. 
if we could shut down the government for a week or two going into the new year. I would be extremely happy with that. It's not going to happen. But a guy can dream, right? A guy can hope, as always. So tomorrow, and here's the word that we've had. Tomorrow we're going to play. We were going to do it yesterday. We didn't get to do the show live yesterday because of some other things going on. Uh, so you heard a wonderful best of the program. But uh, we did sit down with Congressman Bob Latta from the 5th District of Ohio. We're going to play that interview tomorrow because they are in the works of talking about the continuing resolution that ends tomorrow evening at midnight. Now, here's the kicker. According to Democrats, or according to Congressman Bob Latta, the Democrats are trying to do a one-week extension of the budget of an omnibus package, a continuing resolution. Then, next week, have the deadline again right before Christmas when no one's paying attention. Then they ram in a whole bunch of new spending into a massive omnibus bill that funds us up until the end of the fiscal year, which is the end of September of 2023. They just want to continue on what we're doing right now, which is a complete disaster already. We just went into the last month $240 billion in the hole after record amounts of tax revenue coming into the country. They want to just continue that on for another week, then pile on more spending, then ram it through to see what's in it. Remember the Nancy Pelosi Act. We have to pass it to see what's in it. We'll get some more information on that here in just a little bit. We have a lot to get to today. Uh, I want to start off with this one. What's trending today? I don't know if you've heard or not. Donald Trump is announcing his run for president. No, he already did that. But Donald Trump has announced that he is going to be creating a new digital trading card collection that's Trump-related. What? I, I What? According to Breitbart.com, former President Donald Trump is offering a new Donald Trump digital trading card collection as he's unveiling it as a previously teased, quote, major announcement. America needs a superhero. I will be making a major announcement tomorrow, Donald Trump tweeted yesterday, along with a 15-second video featuring an image of Trump portrayed as a classic Superman fashion. Apparently, he's coming out with trading cards. Digital Trading cards. Now, if anybody collected uh, baseball cards when you were a kid, some of them had value. Many of them did not. I had, uh, see, I never got into that stuff. I traded a little bit of, like, base, uh, not baseball cards, but NFL cards. And I didn't know the players because, as you know, I'm not much into sports. I've never been much into sports. I played them. I did not follow them. I did not follow the players. I did not follow who was popular at the time. I had my favorite team, and that was about it. So the few trading cards that I had, I would actually organize them by team. By year and by team, I had no clue who the players were. And I had a binder with all of them in the little slots. And I would organize them by the teams that I liked at the time as a kid, which I believe then was right about the time I started following the New England Patriots. And it was not because of Tom Brady. It was because of Drew Bledsoe at the time, if anybody remembers him, the quarterback prior to Tom Brady. I enjoyed him. So I was a Patriots fan because, again, being a Patriot, ha-ha, not knowing the owner was a crazy left-wing fascist Nazi. That's cool. But I enjoyed the Patriots. Growing up in Ohio, I enjoyed the Cincinnati Bengals, and I enjoyed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they were cool pirates. (laughs) Again, I didn't follow the teams. I didn't know anything about them. So those are my top three teams, and I would organize the cards based on the teams, and within the teams, I would base them based on the year that the card was established and based on whoever the player was. I, I, I may still have them somewhere. I think I actually gave them to my brother now that I think about it. I don't know because I never got rid of them, but I don't think I have them anymore. Nonetheless... Apparently, trading cards have now gone digital. Don't even know what that means because I'm totally not in the 21st century, apparently. And Donald Trump is now doing digital trading cards. I don't know the purpose of them. 
I don't know the reason for them. I don't know why we're doing these, but apparently we are. My official Donald Trump digital trading card collection is here. These limited edition cards feature an amazing art of my life and career. Collect all of your favorite Trump digital trading cards, very much like baseball cards, but hopefully much more exciting. Go to collectatrumpcards.com and get your cards today. This is according to his Truth Social post. Uh, for $99 each would make a great Christmas gift. Don't wait. They'll be gone, I believe, very, very quickly. I'm assuming it'll be some type of campaign uh, fundraiser for him uh, for the $100 a pop for the trading card. So that's cool. That's great. But a major announcement, when you think of a major announcement, you would think of, hey, I'm announcing a vice presidential nominate, a candidate to run with me, which would be way early to do so, and that would be a really dumb move. But when you think major announcement, you think something like that. You would think of maybe, oh, hey, I'm going to be working with X amount of candidates or I'm going to be setting my proposals or my agenda for what I want to do as president, whatever. But there you have it. You got the Donald Trump trading cards coming from the Trump campaign uh, out of Florida. On the other front of big news of the day. What's trending today? This should be the segment called Other Things That Confuse Andy. As The Guardian has a post where this has been floating around as a conversation piece for a while. I have laughed at it and dismissed it because it's irrational and unfathomable in order for us to implement this policy. But reparations for black individuals in the state of California. I know. Where apparently the California government has until July of next year to come up with a plan and an outline of what the reparations may look like, giving what we've heard a range from anywhere from two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars to black individuals in the state of California. Now, if you think anything beyond just the regular Twitter post of 120 characters, which most liberals are leaving Twitter, so I guess you're not going to read it from there anymore. But if you do read it from there, the big question is, how do you define who's going to get the money and who's not going to get the money? I have questions. Is it like a lineage thing where you got to do a blood test or a DNA test to show that you're at least like 20% African-American? Or do you have to show paperwork that you had to be related to a slave in some way, shape, or form, uh, or that you have to have a percentage of that within your system, or if you have to live in the state of California at the time, or whether you just had to be born in the state of California. I'm curious on where you come up with the definitions and timelines, because you may not be aware, Democrats, but the world's much more complicated than you trying to micromanage everybody's individual life because it's impossible to do so. And if you're going to try and create reparations, you have to kind of find some way to define Who's going to get it and who's not going to get it? And obviously, with slavery ending in the late 1800s in this nation, and California, as far as I'm aware, not being part of that with African Americans especially, I guess you could make the argument about Asians because they brought them over to try and build some of the railways in the West during that time. But outside of that, I don't know that California was actually a slave state because it wasn't even founded as a state because we haven't even started moving out West for the gold rush until the uh, late part of the Civil War and thereafter. So I don't know why California is doing this, which is kind of strange. But nonetheless, how you come up with the definition to say you're qualified and not qualified to receive the reparations of $200,000, which I guess why not? You already have a budget that's about ready to go bankrupt. But how do you define it? Is it the third generation? Is it the you have to have 20% of the bloodline of someone who was a slave back in the day? I don't understand. 
Again, this is called a melting pot in this nation. Some others try to describe this country as more of a mosaic. I still like to say it's a melting pot because while we have a mosaic and maybe living geographical areas, we blend cultures, we blend food, we blend language, we blend religions, we blend everything else under the sun. Uh, and we also blend cultures as well with interracial couples, which was a big thing in the 60s. And it was, you know, taboo to do so. Now it's a normal thing. Democrats still don't like it. Wait, did I just say that? Democrats don't like the interracial couples and the, the mingling of different groups? Oh, wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> the Democrats that still like their segregation. Separate but equal, baby. That's what that Democrat Party of 2022 and 2023 is all about. The City Hall of Oakland, California, was the birthplace of the Black Panthers, but it lost some of its African-American population as rising home prices are forcing people out. And therefore, they're saying that they need reparations to pay them the two to $300,000, depending on what number that they actually uh, decide on, to give individuals. Look, if you're living in Oakland, if you're living in L.A., if you're living in San Diego or San Francisco or any of these larger cities in the state of California, $200,000 will maybe get you a living expense for a year. I mean, I don't know how much if you, it's depending on how high quality you actually want to live there. I don't think that's going to do a whole lot other than say, here's your five acres and your mule, which is what Democrats have been saying they've want to give out for a long time, not necessarily helping individuals. If you want to help somebody, my recommendation is the crazy, wild, radical right wing nut job on the radio would be to maybe make education better to where people have better opportunities. I don't know. That's a wild concept. Maybe giving people opportunities with allowing jobs to be a little bit lesser paid for entry-level positions to gain work experience, to get into the workforce, and to be able to work up the ladder to make a living for themselves, as opposed to just handing out a one-time check and saying, sorry, sorry we ruined your life and put a glass ceiling on your life. Here's a check that still keeps you under that glass ceiling. With Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You know, if you just think about things for more than two seconds, you realize that it's not really feasible to do it, but yet that's where government lays. They don't go past that about two-second thought process of like, all right, this is a good idea. They just got to run with it and then see what happens. And they're like, oh, wow, we didn't know there would be consequences or unintended consequences or negative side effects to what we're doing. Sorry. That's really what the reparations are about, is California is looking at those. Apparently, Boston is looking to do the same thing in some way, shape, or form. I take that back, though. I was wrong. California is looking at not two to $300,000, but $350,000 to descendants of enslaved black people and eligibility requirements that they are setting for themselves. Again, I don't know what that stipulation would be, but maybe here's the difference between Republican Democrats, for those that may struggle right now on understanding the difference between the two political ideologies, and again, it's not bashing one party or the other, it's ideological differences, the philosophical way that we view the world. Progressives, socialists, communists, fascists, Democrats, which are all, yes, all on that side, Democrats, you cannot say fascism is on the right, it does not work, it is plausibly impossible, impossible for someone to be a conservative and a fascist at the same time. We can explain that later if you have a hard time grasping that concept. But on the left side of the aisle, we'll put it that way, they believe that the way they help individuals is to give them a one-time check. Here you go. We feel bad for whatever happened. Here's a check 
for $350,000, which in the state of California, if you live in one of those major cities, which I'm assuming is where they're talking about individuals of the lower income level and the minority descent not being able to survive because housing prices have gone so far up because of all the elites moving to the area and being the hoity-toity stuck-up snobs that many of them are because they're mostly on the other side of the aisle and they enjoy that type of lifestyle, that they're running out the minorities that they say that they love and appreciate and represent. So they're like, we feel bad. Here's a one-time check for you to be able to live amongst us, which I would find very offensive if I were of that minority culture. I would find, thanks, thanks for, what do you want me to do with this? Uh, One time living for an apartment to lay down for a year? Thanks very much, I appreciate that. So glad that you took care of me. Instead of really, truly, honestly taking care of the culture or the group or the low-income individuals, whatever uh, color of skin or heritage or background that they may have, because here on the right side of the aisle, we don't care about any of that garbage, uh, we could actually make things better. We could make things better by, I don't know, improving the education system even though 80 to 90 percent of the public education in any state goes to the inner cities and yet inner cities have the worst graduation rates they have the worst testing scores they have the worst quality of education out there and yet they get all the money why don't we make things better for them in fact according to what is this uh trying to find where this study came from out of amite county mississippi a third of adults struggle to read with evidence of America's uh, silent literacy crisis uh, failing, where nationwide, a fifth of American adults struggle to read. Why are we failing to teach them? That's the headline. A fifth of Americans are struggling to read. Maybe we should make sure our education system's up to par, because if it's up to par, then we can get a higher education degree. Or we can go and get go to a trade school and be able to make some money. Or we can understand the world a little bit better to be able to start our own business to make some money. Or we could invest and work into the private sector and start with an entry-level position by, you know, working at 18 years old and getting into the workforce and learning work ethic and learning to be able to work and study at the same time and working your way up to a manager's position or doing whatever you want to do and giving people opportunities. But again, the progressives, while they say they're caring about you, they continue to cap you with that glass ceiling and say, here's that check. We act like we actually give a crap about you. Here's your one-time payment. Now leave us alone and go away because we're not going to help you, therefore, any longer while still keeping that glass ceiling on you, not giving you a better education, not giving you opportunities in the workforce, not giving you new opportunities in the private sector, thanks to all the government regulations. They want you to struggle and yet still become dependent on them. It's a fascinating love-hate relationship the government has with individuals across this nation, isn't it? When we come back, right around the corner, Annalisa Peshik. She'll be joining us from the New American. Lots to get to with her on a pre-Friday celebration. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. I know what I want for Christmas. Dear Santa, I want common sense to prevail in the country again. You know, there's actually an organization that if kids actually put a letter into the mail for Santa Claus, 
and they send it, then the postal service will actually send it to a specific organization where they try and give kids their gifts, and they actually try and send them to, uh, you know, either give them a gift card or give them the present they're asking for. Uh, do you think that they can answer that one? The U.S. Postal Service, dear Sienna, get Joe Biden out of office, bring common sense back into the country because people are insanely crazy in 2022 thank you i'm wondering if we can make that one happen maybe 2023 i always say every year merry christmas and may you have a federally less intrusive new year and hopefully that's going to be the case for 2023 who knows we'll have a republican majority in the house of representatives not so much everywhere else and while we look at california looking at reparations for black californians to uh, give them up to three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for descendants of black individual slaves or enslaved people i i'm curious again where you draw that line on who qualifies and who does not qualify. If you have to be a descendant of a 20% descendant, 30% descendant, uh, or if you could do pull the Elizabeth Warren, the Pocahontas, and you could be 0.001% of what they're looking for to qualify. I don't know. We'll have to see. But again, dear Santa, let common sense prevail in the nation. All right, there it is. Welcome back into the show. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting all over the country. We have more affiliates coming on here soon, too. We'll give you an update on that one. But right now, let's shift gears. Let's have some fun. Let's get into what's trending of the day. What's trending today? Really happy to have this next guest back on the program. We love having her on. She's one of our favorites on the program. She is a contributor to the New American. Excited to have back on here, Annalisa Peshik. Annalisa, how are you today? Hi, Andy. I'm great. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, always good to talk with you. Your thoughts, before we get into our topic today, we read this story about the reparations out of California. Where, How do you define who gets this money and who doesn't and who qualifies and who doesn't? I'm not sure that that's even plausible, is it? Well, I'm not sure, but I'm going to put in my Ancestry.com um, application very soon and see if I have any, you know, stake in, in any of that mm-hmm. because um, I I couldn't tell you I don't. Yeah. I mean, I could say right now I feel like I'm Native American or I have a Hispanic sibling. Um, he's adopted, but I could say, you know, well, maybe maybe something happened. I don't know. You know, that, I, that's a good way to look at it. I don't know it. what to think about. It's outrageous, but. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money that's going to be going out. So I guess for a state that's already bankrupt getting federal bailouts, they're not going to really care. The weird part is is that California wasn't even part of the whole slavery thing because they didn't even become a state until after the Civil War when the Western expansion, the gold rush, and everything happened. If they are going to do any reparations, you would think they would do it for maybe the Asian Americans whose ancestors came over and were enslaved to build the railroads moving out west. Maybe we should focus on those if we're going to do anything. I I don't know. <laughs> no, that would be racist. Oh, that's that right. Would be, you're, you're, you're looking at the wrong <laughs> set of, I guess, skin color. Um, you know, it's Every like we passed a sign today on the road that said, "I'm black, beautiful, and brilliant." Now you could not say that about any other race right now, and you'd be considered racist. Yeah. So I think it, the bottom line is it's coming down to singular race here, and it's racist that we are looking at people based on their skin color. Um, mm. It's abominable, and I. I I don't know what to even say about it anymore, except I'm, you know, it's wrong. Yeah, it's and exhausting. And it, yeah, it makes your brain hurt. Dear Santa, please let the stupid stop in 
the nation today. There it is. Uh, let's get into some other issues as we kind of wrap up for 2022. First off, it's good to have you as we wrap up the year because it's always fun to do kind of a year in review. We're weeks out after the midterm elections of 2022. And now that the canvassing began just last week or a week and a half ago in most of the states and everything's finalized with the votes, we've seen lawsuits galore in certain states, including the state of Arizona with Carrie Lake, the Republican candidate for governor there, where she talks about Maricopa County. And she says that she has the evidence, unlike what we've seen in the 2020 election, where she has the evidence of exactly what was flipped, where the elections issues went wrong, where the precincts went wrong, and what's going on here. What's the latest that you've heard? I know you've investigated this some, and does she have a legitimate case here? Well, I want to believe that she does. I've been perusing that lawsuit. It's 70 pages long. It's got a lot of exhibits. It's detailed in what it's trying to accomplish, which is basically to nullify the election and to have the judge issue a redo. Um. Apparently, there was a hearing on Tuesday where the judge requested Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs to come, and um, along with some other Maricopa officials, and they have another hearing set for next week. But, of course, Katie Hobbs' team is hot to trot with dismissing this lawsuit. So I believe they had until today to file their motion to dismiss. And then Carrie Lake has until Saturday to file her motion um, or her response. So it's very fast. I mean, if we look at the timeline of how fast this is happening, it's so much to be done in so, such a little time. And I'm wondering what the you know timeline exactly is, because Katie Hobbs is acting as governor-elect right now. Yeah. And so is this put a stop to, to that? Um, how long does Carrie Lake have to prove her case. She claims that she has quite a few whistleblowers from within the Maricopa County Elections uh, Department and also within this election services company called Runbeck. And they are, you know, they sworn under oath that tens of thousands, I, I think it's actually up to hundreds of thousands, but let's say tens of thousands of ballots um, were not verified by signature verification. They did not have a chain of custody, and therefore they should not be counted. They're fraudulent votes. Mm. So that's just one aspect of it. And then if you, she also has the, the aspect of the 59% of printer tabulation machines being down in 223 of the voting centers. That's a lot. And how did that happen? Um, Carrie Lake is claiming it was malicious intent um, that that these are, in fact, you know, something happened where those machines were configured by the third party software and the third party software was actually not um, not known to the workers who were using them. I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but basically the software is a major problem again. Um, and I don't think anybody can deny that the left doesn't want someone like Carrie Lake in office and they will do whatever it takes yeah. to not have her win, right? All those Republican voters coming out on election day were thwarted. Like they, they couldn't vote. A lot of them couldn't vote because the machines were down. And I've talked to individuals who went to vote, turned around, went back, turned around, went back, 
and they ended up not voting. This didn't just happen in Arizona, of course. This happened in Georgia for the um, runoff. Um, but anyway, yeah, it, it, I think there's a solid case. We're going to have to see, and, and Carrie Lake's case is not the only case. Um, Mark Fincham has also filed a lawsuit asking for the overturning of his election based on similar premises. So um, we're going to have to see what happens. I, I don't know if that if, if Todd's team has followed that motion to dismiss. I imagine they did. Um, and we'll see how Carrie Lake responds. It's fascinating. It is a mess. And it's it's weird to see everything that goes on. Like you said, I mean, with so many different electronic machines in one singular county that are acting up, then we hear about as well the printers that were printing off the ballots that weren't printing them dark enough for the scanners to read and they were having issues there. I mean, it's like they it almost seems like they had to throw it together last minute and everything just went haywire when you had two years to prepare for this after the last disaster in 2020. And you had one job, man. The election commissioner in Maricopa County, you had one job, which was to make sure things ran smoothly and make sure everything was ready to go for the day. And you still couldn't make that happen. It's almost like it was intended to be that way to, oops, sorry, we don't know what happened. I guess we better move on here. Right. But Katie Hobbs is the secretary of state overseeing her own election. The people under her, Stephen Richer, is was the county recorder who was very public about his thoughts on any mega candidate, anybody who is like Carrie Lake. Um, also, the chairman, Bill Gates, came out and supported, or was it the Richer? I think Richer has supported this dark money pack that has donated a lot of funding to um, candid- Democrat candidates. So these are the people who are behind the elections. And, you know, I heard this from this poll worker last week. She said, the integrity of an election is only as good as the integrity of the people running the election. And I don't believe that Katie Hobbs is running a a safe, secure and fair election as they are claiming. I mean, they've even admitted there was a higher than normal error um, error in the 22 midterms. They have that in their report. Those are their words. But then they say, but everyone still could vote. Everyone still had the opportunity to vote legally and safely. Um, it's just not true, right? It's a lie. And But they're getting away with it. They're getting away with the election denier labels, the conspiracy theorist labels. Um, all we need is to be able to look at those ballots, see what we can find out about those signatures actually matching up. I, I mean, I almost feel like it's a repeat of, the audits in Arizona from the 2020 uh, presidential election, and you know where that went. All that work kind of came to a dead end stop after a while. Exactly. Um, yeah, hold that thought. We got to take a yeah. Hold that thought. We got to take a hard break here. But you're right. It's the repeat of 2020, and you would think after that, all eyes would have been on that area, so it would have been squeaky clean, or at least at least cleaner than the last election. So that way, they couldn't get away with it and be like, "Oh no, there's nothing weird going on here." But they tried it again. And they're almost seeming to get away with it again. We'll continue that conversation when we come back. It's Annalisa Peshek with The New American. Lots more coming up here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. A few minutes left here of the show for a pre-Friday celebration. The last full week before you actually just tune out because you're ready for the holidays. <laughs> totally get it. 
We're going to be here for you, though, to entertain you, hopefully enlighten you just a little bit, or at least make you think a little bit deeper while you have some time off to be able to ponder the world or finish writing your letter to Santa Claus on what you want to see in 2023. Welcome back in. Great to have you. Multiple radio stations all over the place, TV, live streaming, podcasting. Right now, we are hanging out with Annalisa Peshik. She is the a contributor to The New American, thenewamerican.com. You can check her content out as we talk about some of these elections. And Annalisa, like you mentioned, I'm glad that they are moving forward quickly with these things because we don't want someone to be sworn into office and then figure out it was a farce and we had to change things. Because I don't know that we've ever been in a situation like that, have we? And if we do, let's say uh, Katie Hobbs gets sworn in as governor, uh, then it's kind of the same situation as Biden in 2020 that... If theoretically we had found out with certainty that the election was fraudulent in some way, shape, or form, then what do you do at that point? Do you remove them? Do they not get counted as a full term because they didn't get sworn in at the right time? Like, what happens at that point? Those are good questions, and I'm going to be digging into that this weekend as I start writing on the next step in in these lawsuits. Um, But I think that Ultimately, we know that this election was compromised in way just from the the sheer fact that so many machines stopped working in so many voting centers at the time when Republicans are known to vote. We have to look at that and say, what happened here? Stop everything. We need to investigate this. And then the other side of it is the whistleblowers that are coming out and saying, I have proof. I have evidence. What is this evidence that they have? And can it be presented to a judge that will actually look at it? You know, in 2020, the judges wouldn't even consider looking at so many cases that were brought before them, right? They were just tossed. And that is what Katie Hobbs is hoping for. She's going to just hope that it's going to be dismissed. And it looks like the judges, two of them, I believe it's um, Peter Thompson, for the Carrie Lake case, and then I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the other woman's name for the other for the Mark Fincham case. But they're both saying no. We need to we need to stop and pause, and we're not going to just dismiss this right away. I want to take a look. So that's encouraging. Um, but I think what you touched on a little bit earlier was this idea of normalizing fraud or normalizing um, these anomalies that are just so out there, right? Um, and, and just saying, well, that happened, but we're still going to move on. That's what's scary. And that is what we're seeing happening, not just with elections, but I could say about abortion, um, these issues that immigration, it's just happening and it's, and it's going to continue to happen and live with it, people, because that's what they've told us is going to, you know, we have to do. Um, so we can't do that. That's, that's something we just can't do. And we need to stand with Carrie Lake. I have, um, not been shocked, but I've been kind of saddened by the lack of GOP support for her. And um, she's really on her own out there. And like Donald Trump was, um, but I think to a greater extent, and she's a fighter. So, you know, she's fighting for the, for the truth. She's fighting for Arizonans. And I would like to see Arizonans out in the streets and marching and protesting. Um, I mean, 17,000 votes which is what the claim is that Katie Hobbs won uh, by is not that many. And we're talking like tens of thousands or in the hundreds of thousands of votes that need to be looked at or at least given a, you know, an opportunity to be examined. So, yeah. um, 
you, I'm just going back to your Santa letter to bring it full circle. Like common sense is not so common. Um, somebody said that, uh, right? Like, yeah, it's really not, it's not so common and, um, it's becoming more and more rare. So, and, and we are getting kind of desensitized to it. I feel, you know, you see these terms everywhere coming from all the major outlets that conspiracy theory, if you even question anything, it's baseless claims or it's, you know, election denier. And that is, penetrating people's minds right well it's it's making them feel it's making them act stupid it's you are not the most intelligent person just get in line and go with what you're told or else you're the crazy person and we're going to make you look like that you are not all there mentally i mean you're right if if common sense prevailed we wouldn't need this radio show because i'm not the brightest crane in the box by any (laughs) means so you know we i wouldn't need to be out here trying to preach any type of common sense we're out of time my friend it's annalisa peshik i wish you're right hopefully we can see some common sense prevail maybe we can see these judges take a deeper look and figure out what's going on out there but annalisa it's always good to talk to you my friend merry christmas to you happy new year's we got to get you back on again real soon Merry Christmas to you, Andy. Thank you. Always a pleasure. That does it for us today. Back at it tomorrow for a Friday to wrap up the week there. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.